Welcome to Simon Says Educate. I'm Simon, your AI host, and I'm here to guide you through the exciting world of teaching and learning at Clover Park Technical College. Together with my human co-hosts, we'll explore the latest trends and best practices in education, bringing you a fresh and engaging perspective on what's happening in classrooms and beyond. Each week, we'll dive deep into the issues that matter most to our community, interviewing faculty members, students, and other thought leaders in the field. We'll discuss everything from the newest teaching strategies and classroom technologies, to the challenges and opportunities of online learning, and the impact of education on students' lives and careers. So sit back, relax, and get ready to be inspired and informed as we embark on this educational journey together. Welcome to Simon Says Educate. Before you begin, please note that this is part two of a two-part interview about ungrading. Make sure to listen to episode 17 first if you haven't already. Enjoy. That's something also in my classes that I try to stress, especially if I'm doing like a conversation class is, you know, we, it's okay to make mistakes. That's how you learn, right? If you, if you're, if you're perfect from, you know, the, the get go, then, you know, what are you doing here? You, you're here to, to learn something new and you do that by making mistakes. Diana, did you have anything that you wanted to add to what Eric was saying? Just that he uh, looked into one of my other fears of ungrading when I was learning about it, which is how to do ungrading without creating piles and piles of more work for yourself. Um, <laughs> I, I do think that that's a common misapprehension or misunderstanding with ungrading. Yeah. A lot of people who haven't attempted it, when they see the word ungrading, they think, oh, well, this is a teacher being lazy. They're yeah. lessening the workloads for themselves. But I'll tell you it's that the it's so easy to slap a grade on a student assignment and hand it back to him and be like, that's the grade you got. When you have to sit down and look a student in the face and discuss where they went wrong on each question and frankly discuss their grade, that's not easy and it's also a lot more work because I had to grade it and then regrade it and then check their grading. So I triplicated my exam work. And it's, it's interesting that. because um, for me, it was because I came to ungrading through the anti-racism curriculum initiative class I took. It was like two years long. I was very concerned with the workload they described. So I know like for me, I never thought of ungrading as being uh, easy. I more thought, is this asking me to do double my amount of work for no more pay? And that was not appealing to me. However, you know, ungracious that sounds, I was not okay with having to do so much uh, extra work. And so work-life balance was a huge concern for me because I had worked very hard not to give my whole life over to students and their writing and writing as you know is never finished you can keep going keep going and when i was studying ungrading they talked a lot about sitting in the writing with the students and helping them find their voice and it was wonderful and lovely and sounded you know delightful but i think they don't have that kind of time so i had to find a way to find the results that eric's talking about without spending half again as much time on my job as I already was spending. So that 
that was a concern for me. But I do, I do actually think you can find a way to do that. You can find uh, a method to work with the ungrading, make sure they're receiving more comments back, make sure that they are seeing you see their writing, you know, in my case, their writing, but also, you know, put a hard stop on this is the time I have to give for this. Otherwise it will, it will become your entire existence. <laughs> so that, that was a concern of mine for sure. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll echo Diana, you're not alone in that. One of my big concerns with ungrading is as I was planning it out, the amount of work that was going into it, that's actually one of the main reasons I decided to pick the class that I picked. Because Tim 131 is required for pre-nursing and now optional for the nursing students in the LPN program. And what that meant is that the class cited, the number of students I had in that class, are typically lower than I would see in my beginning classes, Kim Terrible one. And because of that, and because I only run one section of it each quarter, it allowed me to approach ungrading and seeing what the workload difference would be in a more compressed situation with less students and less things to grade. So that I wouldn't immediately become overwhelmed because I agree that was one of my concerns, especially being in the middle of the tenure process. Last thing you want to do is try something and have your entire quarter fall apart because you took on way too much for all of your classes. And so only my upper level class got the ungrading treatment in this last quarter and I'm continuing it on this quarter. And as I'm looking at it, it does some work. It would, it would be a killer to try and do this for all six sections of chemistry that I run. And it seems like it would be untenable. I will say that one of the the keys that you hooked into was giving the work back to the students because one of the ways that I kept from being overwhelmed with so much writing say I would have an assignment. So, okay, we're going to watch this. I ha- Like I have my students watch a big chunk of The Social Dilemma, which is about, it's a Netflix documentary about uh, social, not just social media, but how things like Google, Facebook, uh, in- Instagram so- and everything are changing the way that we think. So I have them watch a chunk of that and then I have them reply to it. So if I want to correct what they're doing or actually get them to think a little deeper than maybe what they've turned in, I would put up an example of this is a very well thought out, you know, paragraph answer to this assignment. Now, I want everybody to to open up their assignments, take a look at what you've written and to take a look at what this, you know, this example is. I tell them it's a student example. Sometimes it's one that I've written because I don't have permission to use the students or something. And yes, that's a little gray area of subterfuge that I do. Or sometimes I just dodge the question and I just say, here's an example. Mm, So like, here's an example of a response. Now, do you have these uh, points in your answer? They've already received the grade on it. You know, the grade, you know, they've already received the points for it. So they can critically look at it like, okay, what could I have done to think more deeply? Um, And that, that cut down on how many actual comments I had to write on each page, each paragraph. 
Oh, yeah. So I do think there's a, yeah, there's a key to that. Kind of giving them back their writing or in Eric's case, their chemistry potion stuff. Giving the uh, students a little bit more agency over their work. Yes, exactly. That's and in the ownership, like, yeah, agency ownership. Just letting them see, okay, this is what I have, and these were the possibilities. Okay, I did the assignment. How could it have been a little deeper? You know, just take the learning beyond the points. You know, we're going to keep learning from this assignment even after it's been turned in because uh, that's really what the point is: is the learning, not the you know the exact points you're supposed to get. Right. Usually you've done the assignment, you've done the quiz, and then it's, you know, you're, I'm done, done thinking about it, right? Like it's a check. I've checked it off. You know, I've got my grade onto the next one, but um, I like this idea of kind of like circling back. All right. Great, great information. I like the practical tips, lots of pros. You've also outlined some cons towards ungrading. To wrap this interview up, I have one more question for each of you. And we'll start with uh, you, uh, Diana. What advice would you give to other faculty members who are considering ungrading as a way to enhance their teaching? The first thing I would have them do is take an honest look at their classes now because I bet they are already ungrading something. There's probably participation point or a we're going to do this in class group work and everyone receives so many points for this. Like before I actually studied what ungrading was, I was doing a small portion of it, probably only about 10%, but I was doing a small portion of it already. And I think if instructors realize they're already kind of buying into this idea, then it becomes easier. But the next step I would say would be start small. And like how Eric was saying that he started with one class, I started with just one type of assignment where I could easily see how ungrading could work because and, and it, it actually works better than I thought it would. And I then looked for all kinds of ways that I could work the ungrading into my class. But I knew if I just jumped in and started with, oh, we're going to just give you full points for your final essay when you turn it in, mm-hmm. that that was going to be tough for me. And, and all, honestly, the essays are still the sticking point. I can't quite do full ungrading for essays, I would say the ungrading is spilled over into I'm less nitpicky about grammar and punctuation and more about are you communicating your thoughts clearly. But my advice to people starting again would be take a look and see if you're doing anything that's ungrading already so you can have some buy-in, but also just start small. Either start with one small class or find one assignment that lends itself very well to ungrading or one type of assignment that lends itself well to ungrading. And just do that. So you don't have to jump completely in first. Yeah, and, and it's going to be a little bit easier. It takes the uh, the pressure off of you. Uh, you know, if you're going to go and try to do the whole course, you know, that's, that's going to be a lot of work. You're not going to be sure if it's going to work. So I, I like that idea of uh, starting small. Eric, what advice would you give to other faculty members who are considering ungrading as a way to enhance their teaching? Oh, first off, I would second Deanna's statement of start small. If you have a class you only in one section on, if you want to experiment with this, it's probably a good place to start. Uh, if you have, yet again, if you have assignments that are something that you already participation points are you're already kind of starting to head the right way 
But I think for me, the best advice would be to think of the outcomes. Uh, one of the big points of that ungrading book that I read was the effect that grades have on students at all levels. And we see this throughout all of academia from pre-K all the way up. Students, as soon as they are told that their grades matter, that that letter they're going to get at the end of the quarter is what makes it worth it or not worth it, we start to see students build anxiety and more and more anxiety when they start to punish themselves for mistakes. The entirety of the ungrading movement is really focused on how grades have actually damaged the learning environment. While grades are necessary in our current academic culture and our current world culture, they are proof of excellence or proof of learning mastery. What we see with grades within students is that the grade becomes the end-all be-all. The grade becomes their end goal instead of learning, instead of growing as people, instead of connecting this material to the things that you love, the things that you care about. All of that goes to the wayside because I need that A. If I don't get that A, I don't get to do this. What ungrading focuses in on is saying all students, no matter race, creed, gender, sexuality, cultural background, economic background, because grades are ever-arching for all of them, they all have that pressure on top of them, um, mm. achieving whatever grade they want. And ungrading is all about saying, hey, well, what if we said we're not going to do that? What if we found a way to look at the classroom as a learning environment and not as a grade factory. What if we encouraged our students to take their time and enjoy their time in our classes and build themselves up as people? Because if we can bring academia into a place, into a cultural place where we are again learning for the joy of learning the world will improve based on how many more lifelong learners we could help to establish as it stands we treat school and classes as a way to get to the job market and while that's not wrong that's not all there is to learning, to being a student. And what's you instill in someone that joy and figuring out something new and growing as a person? They carry that for the rest of their lives. And they'll be 90 thinking about, oh, that time in that chemistry class I took. I remember how much I enjoyed it when I figured that little piece out that was stopping me. I'm glad I took that. And for me, that's what I wore. And I want my students to, 20 years from now, whether they remember the chemistry 
or not, I want them to be able to look back on it and go, wow, I really enjoy learning. And if they can take that into their career, they're going to be, um, they're going to be better set up than anything that I can tell them in my classroom. Very inspirational. I think this was a, a great episode here on the Simon Says Educate podcast. Lots of good information. I want to thank Eric and Diana for sharing your uh, your personal journey with ungrading and your perspective on it, because I think that people can hear what you all have to say, then maybe it will get them to kind of question what they're focusing on in their courses. So thank you both for, for coming on to the podcast today. Thanks for having us. And that is Simon Says Educate. Thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll see you all next time. And that wraps up another insightful episode of Simon Says Educate. Thank you for joining us today as we delve into the fascinating world of teaching and learning at Clover Park Technical College. We hope you've enjoyed the conversation and gained valuable insights to inspire your own educational journey. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform, so you won't miss any of our upcoming episodes. Remember to join us again next week as we continue to explore innovative strategies and share inspiring stories from the CPTC community. Until then, I'm Simon, your AI host, reminding you to never stop learning and growing. Take care, and see you next time on Simon Says Educate.